0: Welcome to Blockchain Inside. The podcast is co-produced by the International Data Engineering and Science Association, the Purdue Blockchain Lab, and CastBox.
1: Our vision is to connect everyone in the blockchain industry and explore the most up-to-date news. We hope this podcast will be educational, easy to understand, and inspirational for all our listeners.
0: I'm Coach Culbertson. With me is Kimberly Colbertson. And today, we have Amin Chabi. Amin, why don't you go ahead and take a minute, introduce yourself to the audience, and tell us a little bit about how you got started with blockchain.
2: Thanks, coach. So, um, Amin, I'm an aerospace engineer by training. I spent a decade in large commercial aircrafts, working for Airbus for the most part. And then, uh, I had a big pivot in my career where I wanted to do things more entrepreneurial. Uh, That was following uh, an MBA at INSEAD uh, in Asia, in Singapore. I started by uh, working in private equity on my own, for my own self, uh, trying to buy companies that require digitization and to lead that digitization transformation. I did that for about two and a half years. Unfortunately, it's a a very competitive business and I got the sort of deals I had my eyes on uh, snatched by uh, higher bidders. And I had my eyes uh, on blockchain for a little bit of time in 2016, but uh, as I was sort of uh, winding up my entrepreneurial uh, project in private equity, I was looking more and more into it. And you know, the engineer uh, in me couldn't resist the, the appeal of uh, this new uh, network system. I started networking to see uh, who was doing something on it. Uh, I'm French and in France, uh, things were a little bit nascent at the time. There wasn't a lot of uh, initiatives, there was a couple. Uh, Obviously, with the ICO craze of 2017, uh, networking worked a little bit uh, more. People were openly talking about blockchain, ICO, cryptocurrencies. And um, I met uh, the co-founders of Neoplace by December of last year. They hired me uh, first as a VP finance and then offered me the top job within three months. Wow, cool. Yeah, yeah. They're a great team of uh, very determined individuals. So the core team is now... Five and a half, as of last week, we hired our first marketing manager. We are, there's like two computer scientists, two business people, a general manager profiles, and two marketing and business development. Cool. Yeah.
1: Well, let's jump in and let's talk about um, what is the e-commerce business solution in the global market? And what kind of issues have you seen in this market?
2: Yeah, so e-commerce, as you see today, is a fantastic market. It's growing 15% CAGR uh, every year, which means it's $2 trillion, and I'm only talking about uh, cross-border e-commerce, so international, between countries. It's about $2 trillion uh, this year, 2018, and it's foreseen to be double that in five years from now. So it's really um, a huge market with, with a lot of room for all sorts of operators. But at the end of the day, if you don't have a credit card, if you don't have a bank account, or if you have a, a low willingness to pay, you're completely excluded from that market. Sure. And um, whether you are uh, someone who is disenfranchised uh, in a big city in the US, or whether you are um, you know, a young professional in an emerging uh, country, you don't have th- that means you don't have access to some essential goods and some essential services where you are, despite the fact that you have a willingness to pay. And so when you look at what happened with uh, e-commerce over the past 15 years, it's more or less what happened with internet over the past 15 years. Uh, we all had hopes of really making big changes in our, in our lives. We started from the soft, sort of top tier opportunities and top tier consumers, but it never actually trickled down to the sort of uh, uh, broader consumer base worldwide okay so internet and big data etc should have helped us cure all sorts of cancers by looking more in depth into the decades of research we have but yet we focus more big data into finding whether you would like the red iphone or the blue iphone when you are browsing online <laughs> so it's a matter of priorities you see <laughs> yeah
0: priorities priorities right exactly
2: exactly why because because if you bring that sort of uh, computing power to cancer research as a tech company, you're not, not going to get your share of the value created as you would if you were basically dominating online advertising. Right. Okay? As a matter of fact, uh, Google has moved on to those aspects. Um, how to say um, Google moved to those aspects very, very recently. So applying computing power to uh, life sciences and research. And for e-commerce, what we wanted to do from the beginning was, how do we do for e-commerce to expand to the lower tier, to the people who don't have, to the 2 billion adults in this world. So there's 2 billion adults above the age of 16 who don't have any access to banking services and still have a willingness to pay. And this is what Neoplace is about. It's about expanding e-commerce to
0: crypto holders who
2: want to buy goods and services in the real world and that includes the n-bank.
0: Gotcha. So, let's shift gears a little bit. So, uh, let's talk about crypto business. A lot of folks are rushing into crypto without a real understanding of what kind of challenges that they might face later on. So, as a crypto startup uh, executive, what kind of challenges might you see in in a crypto startup?
2: The challenges are at least threefold, okay? There's uh, all the challenges of um, creating your to- own token in a way that incentivizes the use of the token rather than the speculation about the token value, okay? So when you, when you are a startup that has a, a, utility, a utility token, you really need to think very well about your token economics. If you're only making it so that people pump it and dump it, guess what, that's what's gonna happen, okay? So if you have a business, the token economics are absolutely essential the other aspect you have to think about is the volatility so the whole cryptocurrency market is still immature you see behaviors in cryptocurrencies that do not have any explanation in the fundamentals of these cryptocurrencies for example you see clear correlation between bitcoin and ethereum in terms of <clears throat> in terms of pricing on the markets whereas it's too fundamental Technologies with with very different applications, and so waiting for that day where markets become more mature, and 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 mark the value of those blockchains in a, in a more um, rational way, you have to have uh, market making. You have to watch uh, the, the dynamics and the volatility of cryptocurrencies because it will influence how people think about your your business.
1: Right. So as you are building your crypto businesses, like how, how do you choose your team members?
2: Well, you choose your team members the way you choose any, uh, in any startups. Uh, the, the, first, the first proverb I go by, I, I honestly don't remember who said it, but you don't take uh, rookies in startups. When you, when you are building a core team, you take people who have a substantial walk of life who have a diverse set of experiences and who have a track record of solving problems they had not encountered before. So that's a key thing. The second aspect is you have to watch attitudes and characters a lot because organizational behavior in a small team can really um, multiply the impact and the ability to deliver of that team. And so, in the opposite sense, if, if you don't do that, if you don't have a good team dynamic, you're essentially totally irrelevant. You won't be able to achieve what you want.
0: Right on. So, as we look at startups, i worked in startups before. I've had my own startup in the past as well. Uh, so, when you're looking at startups, you're really looking at a, oftentimes a very flat organization, depending upon how many people you have. Um, and also in startup land, we also know you have to work fast. So, do you have any, any insights into how to work well? in a fast-moving yeah. and also very flat organization. Yeah, there's two aspects.
2: Uh, the, the first important point is to give feedback to each other all the time, absolutely honestly, in the most constructive way. So hmm. de- despite the fact that I, I'm the CEO, I'm the guy who gets the most negative feedback in the team. Okay? <laughs> because, yeah. yep. and, and, and that's exactly how I intend it and how I expect it because people have very high expectations of what I do. I'm supposed to look after and over everyone and everyone's area. Okay. And most importantly, I'm here to lighten the path in terms of what risks are we happy to take at what moment? Those considerations change sometimes several times a week. You know, uh, I'll tell you as, right. a, as a, as a startup uh, CEO, you have to make anywhere between 20 to 25 important decisions every day. Okay. You'd be the lucky. That's, right? <laughs> <Say again? laughs> that's
0: if you work yeah. part-time, right? Say again?
2: That's if you work part-time, right? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and any one of these 20 to 25 uh, um, decisions can lead you in a, in a place where you don't want um, to be. And most importantly, you'd be the luckiest person on earth if you even get half of them right the first time. <laughs> <laughs> okay? And so the truth is um, absolute honesty within the team on what works, what, what we need to do, where we think we should raise uh, put the bar is uh, essential. The other aspect is something I learned from, uh, <clears throat> from my years in aerospace. So in aerospace, um, in, in engineering integration team, you have to feel like you are the last line of safety in what you do. It doesn't matter where you are in ranking, accountability, and power. You have to believe that if you miss the point, nobody's going to pick it up. Okay? Mm, and that's so, good. Uh, th- that, that concept has, was actually um, sort of formalized in a book called Extreme Ownership. Uh, sorry, Extreme yeah, extreme ownership, I think, um, or extreme accountability, and the idea is, uh, although you're not, whether you are the leader or not of your team doesn't matter. What matters is what can you do to make sure that your team succeeds as a whole, and you yeah. have to watch over the whole team, whether you are, you know, the most junior person in the team or the most senior person in the team, and that way you have at least three to four pairs of eyes on every aspect you're doing. And you have people who uh, move forward on a strong conviction because they have debated every point uh, with with the most pertinent arguments from everyone.
1: Right, so we have been talking about how to work with your internal team, but let's talk about crowdfunding. How do you manage to keep your promises to the investors and what issues have you seen in crypto projects as you're working with investors?
2: Okay. Um, when, when it comes to the, um, to the promises, uh, the key is uh, under-promise, over-deliver, all the time. Okay? This is an important organizational behavior. People expect you to deliver, so you, you should never over-promise in terms of deadlines, in terms of level of progress, or anything like this. You have to establish a, a, a clear path, a clear track record, of always delivering what you said you would deliver at the very least, okay? The second thing is when you look at what happened with the ICO craze of 2017, we thought things would have peaked because it was rife with uh, scams and uh, incompetent teams who who had no idea what they were doing. There was uh, over two-thirds of them uh, are almost worthless today. Uh, in terms of uh, what the coin is uh, valued on the markets because the public has lost confidence. Some of them will bounce back because the teams will ultimately find a way, but a lot of them won't. And we thought that was the peak and things would sort of come back to a, to a normal level. Turns out uh, by, by May of this year, so this month, we've had three times as much ICOs as the whole of 2017. Okay? Wow. I don't think you can have... Uh, you can, uh, how to say, it, build skill sets and competent teams in five months to the tune of three times what they were uh, last year. I think we're not over with the ICO craze. And I think um, anybody who's investing uh, in crowdfunding, whether it's um, you know, uh, uh, a utility token or otherwise, has got to do his due diligence. At the end of the day, uh, it's money that is put at, at risk for the expectation of a, a high reward Because the risk is very high. And I think everyone should look into it very, very carefully. We treat our investors the way I treated my LPs when I was in private equity. So we have a a very detailed pack with cash flow projections, a tech deck for the product, and a general strategy presentation. And on top of that, we've had investors that we found out were investigating details of our background down to our youth. Okay? I've had calls from... (laughs) Friends and family saying, "Oh, there's this guy who's asking about you know your work ethics and how you behave there and there." I said, "Yeah, but that's 15 years ago." They said, "Yeah, but he wants to know." I said, "Well, answer him. What do I care? You know, I have, I've got nothing to hide, <laughs> and, that, and I've got nothing to hide other than my, my horrible hairdos of the '80s. You know, and nice. uh, he can don't
1: hide your horrible hairdos."
2: Well, I've. I've made the rounds with all of my friends now saying, anybody who's got a photo of that, either you send it to me or you just put it in your chimney or something. Uh, That must must not resurface onto the social
0: network. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about crowdfunding. What kind of crowdfunding strategies have you used? For us, um, because
2: we are an e-commerce platform, we heavily depend on community building. For us, it's the name of the game. This is how we're going to, reach both uh, the vendor side of the business and the user side of the business. And the way we do it is, first of all, we network our brains out, all of us.
1: Right.
2: And second, uh, we have uh, selected very, very few partnerships um, in, in select locations where we actually need an extension of our network. So, for example, for Southeast Asia and China. And we're talking about with a few partners to to have uh, partners in India. And these are people who are uh, not necessarily like uh, with a huge notoriety, but who are real influencers. So they're not rock stars in the usual sense of social networks, but they have a following of people who are um, crypto enthusiasts, um, crypto users, okay, and have uh, strong opinions on how cryptocurrencies should impact the world. And so these guys are helping us, they're advisors on our, on our uh, NeoPlace uh, project, and they're helping us a lot, connecting us with uh, key actors in uh, China uh, and Southeast Asia, particularly Singapore.
1: Well, as we talk about Singapore, tell us a little bit about the Singapore regulation and blockchain situation there.
2: Yeah. so. Um, there's a lot of uh, so-called um, uh, crypto-friendly uh, jurisdictions in this world. We haven't chosen Singapore uh, because of crypto regulations. We've chosen Singapore because of business uh, reasons. So our vendors, because, because we want to uh, acquire and retain customers who accept to transact in cryptocurrencies, we needed to be very close to China, uh, Greater China, as a matter of fact, and India. And Singapore is the most business-friendly place I know. Uh, I've spent a year there doing my MBA. And it's a, it's a strategic location when you want to, to service crowds that, and, and deal flows that emanate from Asia and go everywhere in the world. Now, when it comes to crypto regulations, Singapore has always been um, extremely clear in terms of practices. You cannot legislate uh, your way into uh, regulation today. Because things are really uh, there's a lot of moving parts, and um, what what the industry needs and does is not clear to everyone. There's a lot of disparity. There's a lot of diversity, and so Singapore has taken it another way. It's got uh, regulations that that is uh, fairly loose for anything that is not a security, but it enforces clear practices when it comes to traceability, know your customer, fighting. Uh, money laundering and corruption and things like that. So you don't have uh, a clear regulation saying for cryptocurrency companies, you need to do this and that. But if you start erring on the side of um, lack of transparency and lack of rigor in your, proce- in your customer handling processes, the bank will probably freeze your assets and the, and the, and the regulator would, would, would probably take your company license. or <laughs> well,
1: free- that's freeze- no joke. <laughs> no one wants that. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. And, 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 and- but the truth All is, right. there is a bright line on what you can and cannot do. And okay. any, any entrepreneur who pleads uh, ignorance is actually uh, taking you for a walk. There is a clear, bright line on what you can and cannot do. And if you mm. just interrogate your ethics, okay, you'll know what to choose when, when you are in an area that you haven't, you haven't uh, addressed before.
0: All right. So, we're going to bring this podcast on in for a landing. Uh, can you tell our guests how to connect with you and also, there are there any resources that our blockchain enthusiasts can dig into?
2: Yeah, well, that actually is probably the most important thing I could say. We are, um, so my tech team and I are uh, curating some quality content that is absolutely independent of us regarding learning about blockchain. So the different blockchains, the technology, uh, the ICOs, etc. It's entirely independent from us. It's uh, content that we've had to see through over the past three years. And it's content that we use for the onboarding of uh, new partners or, uh, you know, junior employees. We've always thought about that. Uh, We're going to make it available very soon. So people can relate to us using neoplace.io. There's a contact form there. Or if they are more the sort of crypto enthusiast kind, they can join us on our Telegram channel, which is also... uh, reachable through our website,
0: neoplace.io. All right, got it. Well, I mean, thanks for hanging out with us today. It's been awesome. It's been a privilege. Thank you very much, Coach. Thank you, Kimberly.
1: You're welcome. It's been so fun. Excellent. Well, listeners, thanks
0: for following up with us today, Blockchain Inside. The podcast is co-produced by the International Data Engineering and Science Association, Purdue Blockchain Lab, and CastBox. Please subscribe to our show on castbox.fm slash Lab. And leave a comment there if you have any questions. I'm Coach Culbertson. With me is Kimberly Culbertson. Thanks for hanging out with us, and we'll see you
1: next time.